N asks about today's movies and the philosophy they portray. He says hero movies like include the fallen part of the hero more than the heroic. For example, Logan is the highest rated X-Men movie and has Wolverine losing his abilities and Xavier becoming demented. I have not seen the movie. He says that a lot of self-proclaimed intelligent people say that they like this stuff. And then he gives uh, quotes from Ram. So I'm going to read the quotes and see if I have comments. The basic purpose of art is not to teach, but to show, to hold up to man a concretized image of his nature and his place in the universe. That sounds right. Art is a bit of a different thing than uh, like intellectual writing. So art should represent the world and show ideals and values and things to aspire to and whatever. Art is not so much about explaining. If you wanted to explain something, you should just write an explanation. To some approximation, that sounds pretty reasonable. Like a sculpture is not going to explain, a painting is not going to explain. Even a novel, a fiction book, is not going to explain a ton in general. Uh, Rand cheated a little by having Galt give a 75-page speech in the middle of a fiction novel, and the speech itself is a non-fiction speech. It is, you know, him explaining philosophy. It's like she put a non-fiction book inside a fiction book. But in general, uh, if you're focusing on the plot, you're not going to explain everything. People will see what happens, and they'll have to figure out some things for themselves. Of course, when you do explain everything, people still have to think. Also, I agree that a lot of movies are not very good. I have not been watching very many movies for years, and I've been watching less TV as well. All right, next quote. The Romanticists did not present a hero as a statistical average, but as an abstraction of man's best and highest potentiality, applicable to and achievable by all men in various degrees according to their individual choices. Right, so a hero is not supposed to be typical or mundane. You sort of take the best of everyone and put it together in one person, and that's what the hero looks like. So in each trait or attribute, it's what someone can be striving for, which is achievable. Sometimes you even go further than that, and you can have a hero that's not realistic in the foreseeable future, but... Uh, has things that you imagine and you think would be good. That comes up not just with heroes, but more with like societies and technologies. And you have like far future science fiction books. And some of those books are not very good and they sort of transplant a lot of present ideas, values, cultural practices, etc. into the far future. Um, but some of them are interesting and in they envision a future which is actually different in important ways. And then you can wonder, like, does that future make sense? Uh, how could we get there? Can we get any of it soon? Would we even want it or like it? If it's so different than what we have now, you have to actually evaluate it. Um, it's not, it can be hard to evaluate if it's good because it's so different than the values you're used to evaluating. Anyway, so yeah, you don't want a statistical average. You don't want a mundane, boring person. A lot of TV and movies try to make relatable characters. And in particular, they make the, the main character very bland 
That way the viewers think I could do that. There's a lot of that where they want a character who doesn't seem better than you. People want a character with no strong opinion so they can, they never get uh, thrown out of the show where they're like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I would never do that. You know, when they have that reaction, then they don't identify with the main character. So you get a lot of super bland main characters. Super generic so that everyone can identify the character with the character because everything the character thinks and does is vague and he avoids ever having uh, committing himself to anything that 10% or more of the audience wouldn't like. Next quote. That which is not worth contemplating in life is not worth recreating in art. That seems reasonable. If you wouldn't want to think about it, why would you paint it or sculpt it or write a novel about it? Next quote. Pity for the guilty is treason to the innocent. Oh, now that sounds like Ayn Rand. Um, I agree with that. I like that. People ought to focus more on helping the innocent and the good and the best and the great and the heroic people. Um, help them be even better rather than sort of ignoring them and not caring about them and focusing on the bad people, the worst people, and especially the the malicious ones, the ones who are guilty of something instead of merely unlucky. And a lot of the poor people are, are guilty of something. Not all of them, but a lot. A lot of the unfortunates, the victims, um, played some role in their own situation, especially in the good countries like America. Uh, whereas if it's like a third world country, then a lot more of the unfortunate people are... Uh, it's not their fault. Their government caused their bad situation by treating them unfairly and using violence and taking their money and so on. Anyways, there's so much effort to help the people in bad situations. And a lot of it is like pouring water into a leaky bucket. Like they created some leaks in their bucket and that's why they don't have much water. And then you keep giving them more water and you don't give adequate respect or attention or help or resources to the great people who can actually do a lot with it efficiently. Um, so Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand wrote about bright young people giving up, perishing, extinguishing their minds. And she said, quote, in lonely agony, they go from confident eagerness to bewilderment, to indignation, to resignation, to obscurity. And while their elders putter about conserving redwood forests and building sanctuaries for mallard ducks, nobody notices those youths as they drop out of sight one by one, like sparks vanishing in limitless black space. Nobody builds sanctuaries for the best of the human species. And that's really awful that a lot of people are more interested in helping the poor and unfortunate, and even animals, rather than smart young people. And then what happens is it's hard to get a critical mass of smart young people, and they're all surrounded by people they don't like who don't like them, and they all give up individually alone. Whereas if there were sanctuaries for the, the best people, they could meet each other more. And there's not enough effort going into that kind of thing. Giving them funding, giving them uh, meeting areas and housing and so on. You could do that for the smartest people and help empower them to be great and do great things, which would 
overall end up help, helping everyone the most. Because if you help really effective people be more effective, you're getting a lot larger return on investment. Next quote. If one saw in real life a beautiful woman wearing an exquisite evening gown with a cold sore on her lips, the blemish would mean nothing but a minor affliction and one would ignore it. But a painting of such a woman would be a corrupt, obscenely vicious attack on man, on beauty, on all values, and one would experience a feeling of immense disgust and indignation at the artist. There are also those would feel something like approval and who would belong to the same moral category of the artist. Uh, tangentially, all of the quotes I read are from the Romantic Manifesto, uh, from the verse who asked the question. However, the thing I read about the sanctuaries for the best of the human species is from the inexplicable per personal alchemy chapter of the return of the primitive. Now, as to the painting with the cold sore, I agree with the point there. In real life, you might get a cold sore on your lip, and it might be a minor blemish and somewhat ignorable. However, in art, there's no need to put in a cold sore. Uh, everything you include in a painting should have a purpose. You don't need to include a cold sore unless there's some reason to. Otherwise, it just makes it dirtier or, or uglier. Like, cold sores are a bad thing. In a better world, cold sores would not exist. We would have a cure for them, and we would just get rid of them. We wouldn't want them to be part of our life or part of our world, part of our reality. So why would we put them in our art unnecessarily? Cold sores affect our lips, but they don't affect our paintings. Our paintings are immune, so unless the artist intentionally creates a cold sore on purpose. And why would you do that? Cold sores are bad.